it's just unconscionable to me that this is like that this boat is it's an emergency scenario here are i'm shocked there's no international law that requires the in this situation a boat to be able to dock wherever Mm -hmm. it needs to The the first place that you can get to safely they should be allowed to dock April 1, 111 deaths in Canada, 37 deaths in Ontario, 19 deaths in Toronto. For headlines, the main headline today in Toronto is that um, Eileen DeVillis said that Toronto is going to be doing strict social distancing for another 12 weeks. The city's saying that they're quote-unquote throwing the kitchen sink at this. And they're trying to use every single power that they have to get people to stay home, which isn't a lot of powers, but they're trying. Sounds like everyone's, I think we're all on the same page. We're all getting more and more worried as we're getting closer to where we should be seeing a change. But we're a not flattening of the curve. A flattening of the curve, but we aren't. I mean, part of that is probably because of the data that we're collecting, but it, everyone's getting worried that we're not seeing a change. Everyone's getting worried, especially because BC is seeing mm-hmm. the curve flatten. Mm-hmm. They've been very successful, and so Ontario's like, um, why are we not seeing it? And part of it could be our testing, mm-hmm. but part of it could be that we had a lot of undetected spread happening before we even started social distancing. Mm-hmm. Can we go to the boat next? Just as a he- sure. sort of a headline, but not really a headline. The boat, there's this, the Zadnam, Zandam, something like that. And the Rotterdam, two big cruise ships. One has some hu- few hundred, can- I think 250 Canadians around that number. And uh, I think four people have already died. There's some other hundred people with symptoms of the flu on there. Um, it's pretty clear there's an outbreak of COVID-19 happening on there, and they keep getting turned away by different ports. They're near Florida? They're headed for Florida right now, and c- and the, the president or CEO of the company is, of I think it's Holland America Cruise Lines, is like pleading with the, the mayor in whatever city this their head, the port is, and the governor, Ron DeSantis, like they need to put there's people that are sick that need to go to a hospital and mm-hmm. the the mayor of whatever city that is and Ron DeSantis are saying no we aren't don't have we we aren't going to help you we don't have the capacity to help you i think Ron DeSantis is saying if you're a floridian you can if you're a, if you live in the state you can get off it's just unconscionable to me that this is like that this boat is it's an emergency scenario here are i'm shocked there's no international law that requires the in this situation a boat to be able to dock wherever Mm -hmm. it needs to the the first place that you can get to safely they should be allowed to dock and get medical services Mm -hmm. like the geneva convention if you take if if you wound someone in war you have to provide them health care and food and shelter like what how is this like, how are the people on this ship in less than 
what's happening and like when you shoot an enemy and you have to make sure mm. you take care of them why why are they seen as less important i don't know it's it's crazy it's trump for th- for all everyone else that's saying n- no to this boat trump actually said we have to let them land i don't know I, it'll be interesting to see i wonder it would seem that he should have the say here mm-hmm. and i don't know but it doesn't seem like anyone's very confident that they're going to be able to land though It's very sad, tragic for all the craziness in the world right now. I feel like the the headlines are slowing down, though, Mm. like for the first two weeks, it was just new measures in place, new outbreaks, new, 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 new. And now I feel like uh, incremental. it's not so new anymore. Yeah, everything's happening incrementally and tragically but it's just kind of growing like now we're just watching it grow but yeah the newness of it is fading um i wanted to talk i just wanted to mention masks again after our discussion last night it was funny because when i checked the papers this morning i found like (laughs) multiple op-eds on this mask situation um, Andre Picard did one in the Globe and Mail and Ed Young did one in the Atlantic, which I haven't finished reading yet, but it's really good. If you're going to read one, it's called Everyone Thinks They're Right About Masks. <laughs> um, yeah, and they all have this thing in common where it's like people really care about masks. Mm-hmm. Like this is just a thing. Mm-hmm. So everyone is addressing it. We weren't the only people that noticed that people are going crazy about masks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other very f- interesting op-ed that I read today was in the New York Times, and it is called These Coronavirus Exposures Might Be the Most Dangerous, which is a bit of a clickbaity title. Mm. But what it's saying is that Dose matters. The amount of virus that you're exposed to matters Mm -hmm. in how sick you will end up getting Mm -hmm. and what your risk of dying is. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's written by a couple of um, genomic researchers, which I thought was interesting that they're not virologists, Mm. but um, I mean, viruses have genetics too. Mm -hmm. So... So they're not talking about specific research that's been done for this virus because there hasn't been a lot of research done on viral load for this particular virus. They're Mm -hmm. speaking more in generalities. Mm -hmm. Um, But the assumption is that the more virus you're exposed to, the worse off you are, mm-hmm. which would explain why healthcare workers get sick in such high numbers and they die in such high numbers mm-hmm. because they're just exposed to so like virus all day, every day. Um, and so, and so basically in this op-ed, they're arguing that right now what we need to do is social distancing and everybody needs to stay away from everybody else. But, once we start to kind of 
eke back into society or the times right now when we are interacting with each other we really need to think about um it's not a binary thing it's not just am i near another person or not near another person but it's like how near am i to the other person and am i engaging in a high risk activity so sitting down with somebody for a coffee and talking face to face close mm-hmm. is a situation where you could get a lot of virus mm-hmm. whereas passing somebody on the street is a low risk situation or like when we go for a walk on the trail it always feels like people are closer than yeah commonly come like runners yeah. will often squeeze by in between people and right but it's only for a second Right. And so they have in here a thing for that. They say for transient interactions that violate the rule of maintaining six feet between you and others, such as paying a cashier at the grocery store, keep them brief. Aim for within six feet, only six seconds. Hmm. Um, And I also like this paragraph near the end. They say, We need to avoid a panicked overreaction to low-dose exposure. Clothing and food packaging that have been exposed to someone with the virus seem to present a low risk. Healthy people who are together in a grocery store or workplace experience a tolerable risk Mm -hmm. so long as they take precautions like wearing surgical masks and spacing spacing themselves out. So I just really like this op-ed for its nuance of the situation Mm -hmm. i still think that a lot of people out there are just imagining that this virus is just floating everywhere Mm -hmm. in the air all the time and anytime you leave your house like you risk exposure but it's not like that and it is following spreading like means of spreading that like we're familiar with like in droplets and by we i don't mean you and i but i mean researchers (laughs) people who understand viruses understand how this is spreading yeah and it's spreading quickly but it's not spreading like the measles or like chicken pox or those kind of airborne things anyway because i see people drive like driving in their cars with a mask on (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's not gonna help you so I think, yeah, there's just, people just don't understand. And so then they're scared of everything. And that's what I want. That's what I want people to know. They don't have to be scared of everything. But if wearing a mask somehow makes you feel better, I thought of the word, oh, no, I forgot. Talisman. Talisman. The wor- I think that's what we were saying at the end of the last podcast is that maybe wearing a mask is just like, it's. it may not be doing anything for you, but yeah. if it makes you feel better... As long as it doesn't give you a false sense of confidence. If it doesn't give you a false sense of confidence or or you actually end up touching your face more because you're adjusting your mask Mm -hmm. all the time. But if it's just like you feel more confident or comfortable going to the grocery store wearing a mask. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, all the mask op-eds that I read today or there are a few Twitter threads, too. They're all like, yeah, the evidence is not strong that wearing a mask is going to do anything for you if you're just a member of the general public. Mm -hmm. But like if you want to wear one, then go for it. Yeah. It's kind of the general consensus. And if you do happen to be someone who has it and is asymptomatic, then you're protecting other people. So, yeah, like that's. 
Yeah. There's going to be some proportion of people. The thing about exactly like some people are saying you should just act as though you're infected all the time when you go out in public because up to half of people who have COVID-19 seem to not know it. Mm -hmm. That's a very difficult thing to estimate because people don't know it, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) those are kind of the estimates floating around. Yeah. Masks. The other thing I wanted to talk about was, I guess, like, on a day-to-day basis, like, how we're just doing at home. And mm-hmm. we t- we joke a little bit about how people without kids are probably going to, like, get pregnant while they're <laughs> at home. <laughs> or, or divorce. Or, and then people <laughs> with kids are probably going to, like, get divorced. Like <laughs> so stressful. But... It is, I mean, looking at the stressful side, I listened to this podcast with uh, the guest was Esther Perel, who's like a relationship expert. And she addressed this kind of the issue of, you know, how some strategies on how to deal with living in close quarters with people much, you know, I guess longer periods of time in this kind of isolation with family. Um, Well, the first thing that she said that was, I thought was interesting was her, that we're all, grieving like we've talked about this a little Mm -hmm. bit before just and it's not even and she put she put it in interesting terms she used the words grieving and grief but with respect to just having your world turned upside down and having to address your own powerlessness like how the environment how our surroundings can just and lack of control and lack of control and that and that in itself just in having to confront your mortality and all that stuff just yeah lack of control encompasses it all i guess and that's everyone's going through that and kids are going through that i don't know maybe like i doubt that avery's four whether he really gets it i don't know if he feels a lack of control necessarily but i think if you're older and have play dates planned and you're looking forward to meet playing with friends and like a little bit older i bet they are you know people mm-hmm. kids that look forward to going to school they're missing that and and the important thing that she said is don't invalidate and you know if yeah. a kid says that they're missing these things don't try to rationalize that oh but you have It'll all this okay. stuff it's gonna be no just feel n- empathize empathize label the feelings as we try to do always i guess Mm -hmm. it's okay to be upset it's okay to be scared it's okay to be nervous whatever and 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 that goes for adults too and that goes for adults yeah exactly so if you're feeling nervous you know like about income or uh you know what else? I mean, getting sick, obviously, like family members getting sick. Mm-hmm. I mean, all those things I think are true for me. And, and, you know, whether, you know, who knows what it's going to do to our career. Like so many people's careers are may have to change after this. And, you know, I think labeling it makes it better in some way. I don't know wh- how it does that, but she uh, recommended doing that. And I think doing that helps me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she just talked about, um, yeah. So in in relationships with your partner or with kids or whatever, being um, recognizing that if you're overwhelmed at 
a given time. It's okay to be overwhelmed and it's okay to need time to go for a walk, to get out and away from people and to, to do it in a way that, um, so I think she gave the example of saying, I need 10 minutes, I need 15 minutes. I'm going to go for a walk. I'll be back in 10 minutes. I can't deal with this right now. Like, you know, those kinds of things. I already use we those phrases. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I think that was, that's good. And it's a good strategy. I think too, we should continue to do that. It requires a partner that is willing to spell you out for those yeah. 10 minutes or 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And to be, and I think you do this too, where you say like you, recognize the contribution of the other person like to say mm -hmm. thank you for giving me the time when I needed it and but but more so she even said like we should be thinking like that thank you know thanking friends for being friends and for someone doing the dishes or someone like just yeah it's just that and, and from a real like we're in this together we're doing everything we can and Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I thought I thought she she put it really. I'll put the link for the podcast in the in the notes. It's uh, I thought it was a good one. Um, the other thing, the other interesting thing, she just noted she has two kids. One's a millennial and one's a Gen Z. And she said for the first time she heard them talking on their phones instead of just texting, because mm -hmm. like somehow now the lack of personal contact yeah. people want to hear people's voices yeah. and i thought that was interesting never have i done so many video calls in my life <laughs> video calls, i used yeah. to hate them yeah and now it's like every day There's we somebody. call somebody yeah. today we called avery's other friend little four-year-old friend aaron oh did you yeah ah, and it's funny because they're both kind of like not super social <laughs> It was pretty funny. Did they Aaron talk to each other at all? A little bit. Uh, okay. Aaron talked more than Avery. Aaron yeah. was really excited to show Avery all of his different Batman cards. Oh, uh, yeah. So, we're, yeah, we're trying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it should that, that actually, that was the other thing that she recommended is find find opportunities to connect with people. Find whatever is meaningful for you. Find ways to do it. And it doesn't have to be formally, like, it doesn't have to be a formal preset time. Just call, just see what happens. Sometimes shorter, informal conversation, you know, just check, mm -hmm. just a five minute chat is, is value, is more valuable, more, com yeah. more frequently. Um, just quickly checking in, doing those kinds of things. Yeah. I think that's it. Um, I, that reminds me that I spend so much time now thinking back to when when Caden was born and when Caden was in the hospital for five months and when Caden came home. Mm -hmm. And obviously <laughs> there's a lot of differences between having your child diagnosed with the neurological disease and having a global pandemic. There's lots of ways those things are not alike at all, mm -hmm. but they're very alike in that your whole world changes in an instant and everything gets flipped upside down mm -hmm. and you have no control over anything as you were saying, mm -hmm. and you have to figure out how to put all the pieces back together and how you're going to live this new life. Mm -hmm. And 
So I feel like a little bit like we've done this before, mm-hmm. like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we've kind of built some some tools and some resiliency that we can put towards this instance of having your life flipped upside down. Mm-hmm. And then I think about Avery and Caden and how they're like two and four mm-hmm. respectively and they've had t- these same two instances that mm-hmm. we've <laughs> taken us until our adulthood to acquire. Mm-hmm. And they're in their early childhood. I feel like it's benefiting Avery. But like today we've been working on him, you know, under uh, thinking about what other people need. And I feel like he showed where he demonstrated he was trying to do that this morning when we were going for a walk and he asked where, Baba, where do you want to (laughs) go? Which is like, because normally he just, it's wherever he wants to go or else his way or the highway often was yes. his outlook and then it was interesting yeah. and I think it's just because we get the opportunity to reinforce things much more often when we're just always together mm-hmm. yeah that's true and Caden and I went for a walk this afternoon mm. and I saw in our neighborhood which is usually when I walk on the sidewalks like it's just quiet during mm-hmm. the week and there was families mm-hmm. everywhere, like mm-hmm. playing hockey in their driveway or going for a run together or going for a bike ride together. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. you just, I've never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things are definitely different. Mostly in bad ways, but. Little good ways. A few good little ways. Little, little silver lining. I yeah. guess. Some people get really mad r- when you use that phrase. I was just thinking about that because I was like, what does that even mean? I don't even know what a silver lining know. is. But. but the truth is that bad things and good things can just happen in parallel. Yeah. Yeah. Without rhyme or reason. Okay. Are we done with that topic? Did you yeah, want no, I'm done. Me say? Okay, mm-hmm. I just thought of one more thing that I meant to mention. So we've mm-hmm. complained a lot, or rather echoed the complaints of experts that are complaining that Ontario is not being transparent enough with their data. Yeah. And today they put up a website where you can download data sets. Mm-hmm. And so the epidemiologists are excited. Very exciting. I mean, so a we'll that see what happens with they're that. listening. Someone's listening. Yeah. As much as I think the people in charge are mm-hmm. not doing a good job, I guess someone's listening and they're able to be. Or able to yeah, the experts are being heard. Yep. So maybe we'll learn something from that. Maybe we'll see. Yep. We flatten the curve this week. We'll find out. It's already Wednesday, though. <laughs> running out of week. No curve flattening happening yet. We are running out of week. Are we done? I think we're done. Okay. Good night. Good night.